Analytically, right now, our patient population, we should be doing three to four visits on our average patient. You know, so, so on, well, most of our patients should be getting four visits a month at least. Uh, and, and we know statistically, if we do that, we're going to reduce overall Medicare spend, create a higher quality of life and reduce hospitalizations. Welcome to the Disrupted Podcast with Scott Middleton. My name is Jamie Preston. I'm your host and we're here with Scott Middleton. How are you doing, Scott? I'm good. How are you doing? I'm doing well. I'm doing well. Yeah, it's uh first day of December and uh, the Christmas Christmas season has officially begun. It has. Yeah, Christmas parties have already begun. So Yeah, they have. Um, crazy yeah it is absolutely well scott to to save time what did you disrupt this week you know um i think that uh we we the disruption of the week is really trying to to analyze um we started looking and analyzing data and our data is is really looking to uh at what are the things that we do as healthcare providers that is going to make a difference in the outcomes of the patients. Mm -hmm. And and so for us, in primary care, um, what we're looking at is to reduce hospitalizations or unnecessary hospitalizations, right. you know, to try to keep people active and well. And, um, and I think that the, the concentration for us um, for the last three or four months in our practice has been increasing utilization of chronic care management yeah. and making sure that our um, all of our staff is is reaching out and touching um, our patients. But sure. it, it's interesting to watch. <clears throat> there's not a consistency across the board. Mm, yeah. So as, as an example, um, we build on 12,000, a little over 12,000 patients. We build some kind of chronic care management this past month. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> but we have 20,000 active patients. Mm, yeah. And and so, and well, actually, we probably have more than that because we have patients in the clinics that don't that have not been coming in as often uh, because we've been operating on a system of, oh, we'll see you in three months, kind of right. no matter how sick you are, which right. is when most doctors' offices work. <clears throat> and trying to help people understand that can't be the model anymore. So we we had another ten thousand patients that we didn't touch, um, and what's bad is we had over three thousand patients who are already signed up for chronic care management. So mm -hmm. that means that they know about the program, and we haven't used it on them. Right. So yeah. <clears throat> so my disruption this this month is is how are we touching patients sure. and and getting front of them, as well as um, looking at not just this chronic care management, but also the visits. Yeah. You know, we, we have some people that are choosing to do chronic care management, which is mostly, or a lot of it's not face-to-face -face or telephone calls of people, mm -hmm. but they're, then they're not doing a complete analytic visit. So when I go through and look at uh, the, our patients and and I have it set up and I go look at care team views um, for us. And I can look at a particular care team and see you have patients you didn't see at all. Well, mm -hmm. it may be because they could have, they could be hospitalized. They could be going to a nursing home. They could right. be deceased. Right. <clears throat> but when I see patients that have just been seen one time and I see how sick they are, mm. 
yeah. then that's the problem. Sure. So I, 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 I go through and, and I sort um, in our reports and I look at things like your hospitalization and mortality rate. And then I look at that based on how many times you were seen. I also monitor how many times you were seen by telehealth versus um, in person. Right. And so I'm finding people who have not had an in-person visit, you know, in two, three months. Sure. We can't do that, guys. We've got to see people, especially the kind of chronically ill patients that we have. To be proactive. Yeah, to be proactive with those patients because something is going to happen in between, if you're waiting three months and they're that sick. Exactly. Yeah, you've got uh, you you've got to keep following through. So we've we developed this thing, which I think is really great. It's called a Care Team View. Mm-hmm. Um, it's in a program called Power BI, and on the Care Team View, we can open up and look at our care teams. And so the care teams actually, you look at it by provider because that was the easiest way for us to get the information out of it. But I can look at any of our providers, and I can click on it and see their their patients on their care team. Mm-hmm. So as as an example, you know we can look at um, an in person provider who only has a hundred patients. You can open up on his or her name, open it up, see the hundred patients, and start mm-hmm. looking at the information. But if I'm a telemedicine provider and I have 200 patients, then I can open it up and see those 200. Right. Um, even though sometimes they're the same people, so that the the same patients are on multiple in multiple buckets, but they're all tied to that care team. So it's it's great for our clinical coordinators, our directors of clinical services. The the those guys are able to open up and see every patient um, underneath that particular person. And then they're able to sort it and say, okay, I'm going to sort it by hospitalization rate. And I'm going to see that, you know, patient has a 57% chance of hospitalization. Um, How many visits did we do? Like I'm looking at this particular person right now. She had a 57% chance of hospitalization, which is pretty high. Mm -hmm. If it's over 30, it's really high. She had three visits in the last 30 days. Um, Probably should have had four because that's a pretty high number. Uh, 67% of them were telemedicine, which is okay. Sure. Means we, we saw her one time uh, in person and twice um, in telehealth. Um, she's been on our service uh, for three months, and um, we can see what her risk score is. So her risk score is only a 1.45, gotcha. which tells me ah, we may have missed something. She has a mm-hmm. 57% chance of hospitalization and a low risk score like that. Um, but she has spent in the last year, $73,000 of Medicare spent on her. And so I'm going, okay, there's something not right. You know, we gotta, we gotta see her more often. So even with her, I would say, I need to start scheduling four visits a month Mm -hmm. right now, just as something else could happen pretty quickly. I need to work on the risk score and make sure we've appropriately captured everything, you know, for her uh, that needs to be out there. So the clinical coordinators are our medical assistants that or nurses that assist our providers with everything that goes on for them so that the provider can really just concentrate on, I'm going to see a patient, I'm listening and, and studying what's going on with them, and I'm going to diagnose for them. Right. So, so everything else the, this clinical coordinator should be helping them say, okay, here are the patients I'm going to put on your 
schedule because I'm looking at this analytics and data. You know, they have access to a program called Acclivity where they can look at every Medicare um, diagnosis on this patient. You know, anybody out there, whether it's in a hospital system or a, another doctor's group that is diagnosed with something, we can see what's going on with them. We can pull the medical records mm -hmm. from those entities. And those can help drive, the goal is to drive the visit so that we can make sure we're staying on top of those people who are most critical. Right. Um, so let me ask you a question, Scott. How, 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 as far as like the hospitalization percentage, you know, them going back, 50% chance, I think you said, going back to the hospital, how is that being calculated? Is that using the risk score to figure that out? Yeah, so so what where that comes from, it actually is Medicare data that goes to this company called Clivity. Mm -hmm. So Clivity downloads raw data for about our patients, and then they have formulas set up for mortality and hospitalization rate based on the number of different diagnosis codes and also how often that person is being seen for that code. So if we gotcha. go in and see somebody for COP today and then we see them for COPD next week then that's escalating that there's mm -hmm. more going on with her that we're continuing to see her for those reasons. Yeah. And I've um, heard acclivity is very accurate too. Oh, it, it, yeah. The only thing I would say is I don't think acclivity is great with the mortality rate. So I'm looking at a group of patients right now um, for, a, for a region and they only have a 6% chance of mortality across the board. But but I know on on average of our 20,000 active patients, um, we will have roughly four to 500 deaths in a month. Mm, yeah. Because remember, we're we're taking care of those people who are extremely on that high end mm -hmm. um, where they um, they're they're really sick. So our average length of stay on our services is only about two years because we pick up a lot of people in the last you know, a couple of years of their life. Right. Um, yeah. So, so I just think that mortality rate should be higher. The hospitalization rate, again, if, if a provider isn't diagnosing everything either, mm -hmm. <laughs> which means if the risk score is really low, like I, I just looked at this uh, particular patient here and look over and, and they have that right. No, that, oh, I, I see a, a provider who has an average risk score of 0.83. So, you know, she really has a lot of work to do because she's definitely not capturing the illness. Well, if you're not capturing it, that's also going to mean her hospitalization rate is probably going to be low. Right. Because she doesn't capture those diagnosis codes. So it all really reflects. But, but the interesting thing, we built this model in our company that I don't think anybody else has. Mm -hmm. Like, I've been listening to other podcasts about um, – the, there's one called a race to value and there's another one, the ACO model. And, and I keep listening for the people they, they talk about using analytics, but they're, but they're not using it to point to anything. So they're expecting, here's all this analytic information. The doctors should, what should they do with it? Mm -hmm. You know, or, or how do they delve into it? But what we've done is developed a system to point our providers where here's where you need to be concentrated. Right. But also you have to make sure your support staff can do that because I don't want a provider delving into the, the analytics to say, okay, who's the patient I need to see tomorrow. Right. You know, that can be done by somebody else. Absolutely. 
and leave the provider because we have such a shortage of providers in this world that why do we want our providers doing things that aren't related to diagnosing a patient mm-hmm. and, and setting up a treatment plan. Yeah, making a medical decision. I mean, that's their job is to, to make those decisions. It, exactly. Yeah. And and now our nurses can help them make those medical decisions. Mm-hmm. You know, like if you have a registered nurse, they, they can legally say, Hey, this is, this is what the person's got, you know, sure. you eventually provider has to diagnose, but yeah. But analyzing when the next visit should occur should never be really the provider. We ought to be basing it on science, yeah. not the provider has this gut reaction that, oh, I need to see you in two weeks. Right. right. Especially when you when you can see that hospitalization rate and that's a high, you know, if, if you've got a 50-50 chance, you need to be seen. I mean, you need somebody in front of you or on a, on a telehealth visit making sure you've got everything you need, a pharmacy call or something to, to help keep you out of that hospital. Right. Yeah. And, and I've heard you so, talk about so, this before. You know, when these patients go to the hospital, their, their chances go up exponentially of never coming out of that hospital. Right. So one of the things that I discovered in looking at our analytics, Ed, is that we have a lot of providers who are spending a lot of time gathering information in order to make their decision. Mm-hmm. And, and they're gathering information that could have been gathered by somebody else. And and because now we're, we, our clinical staff can bill Medicare for their time through chronic care management – that's who should be doing it. So what I look at is, okay, if I've, if I've got patients that need to be seen more often, like analytically right now, our patient population, we should be doing three to four visits on our average patient. You know, so, so on, well, most of our patients should be getting four visits a month at least. Uh, and, and we know statistically, if we do that, we're going to reduce overall Medicare spend create a higher quality of life and reduce hospitalizations. Right. So if we can do that. So we have, we have um, 20,000 patients, right. That are active on any given day. So if we took that 20,000 times, times four a month, that's 80,000 visits mm-hmm. this month, we did 40,000. Yeah. So it really now we have some patients that, yeah, we have some patients who don't need to be seen quite that often, but yes, we should, we should have done, at least this month, let's just say our average, considering you have people like me who are pretty healthy that don't always go to the doctor. But if we said those 20,000 patients, I hate to even say the word average because then somebody, when you, whatever number you tell a provider, that's what gets sticks in their head. Okay, well, I need to do two and a half visits per month. So they just stop at two and a half visits. Right. More. But easily, we should have done fifty to 60,000 visits. So sure. where can we get 50,000 visits? And when I look back is we have a ton of providers who are spending up upwards to two hours with a patient in their visit. Wow. That's four and, visits. And, you know, Easy. <laughs> yeah, that's four visits, right? They could have made four for the sake of one. Right. And, and maybe they should have been seeing that particular patient four times. We, I've got one provider right now. She sees all of her patients about once, once every six weeks, mm. but she spends an hour and a half, two hours with her and, and uh, with them. And I, and I've tried to help her understand like 
you're not going to get everything you need in that visit. You, right. If you broke that down and saw her four times instead of that one for an hour and spent a half hour, 20 minutes with her, you're going to get more data at the end of the day. Mm-hmm. And and your medical assistants and your nurses could be digging for information in between those visits to help get more information for you to make better decisions yeah. for their care. Yeah. And I always go back. They're going to find something new if they do a second visit. Like if they're doing once a week, they're going to find something different than they would have in that two hour visit, you know, that, right. that could have saved them from a hospital visit. Yeah. 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 So that that's our that's our challenge for the moment. And that's what I've been. I put that challenge out to our directors, of clinical services and to our quality team is to to really work on scheduling. And this isn't really a provider problem. Right. The provider, most of our providers are going to go see who's on their schedule today. Mm-hmm. Sure. And, and if they look down and see, you know, 16 people on their schedule today, then they're going to know, okay, I only have, you know, 20, 30 minutes for each patient. Right. And, and they'll allocate their time. So that's really our big push this as we move forward and and because january one we're on the hook for these patients right so as an example i was talking to um we had a patient who um we've seen only a couple of times this year um but um when of course our patients do their paperwork they sign up that they would like to be associated with their practice Mm -hmm. well this particular patient also had a primary care provider that she's been going to for a long time she sees them once or twice a year um probably only saw them once this year then she may go to an urgent care center is what she's been doing and just popping or to the emergency room um, she travels a lot, so she may be going to different people. But our two or three visits that we had with her will associate that person with our practice. Mm-hmm. Well, we weren't scheduling regular visits with her because, you know, well, she's got another doctor, right? I don't want to step on his toes because he's he's maybe her primary care, but he's not really because he's not seeing her. Right. So she lands in the hospital. Mm. That that probably $20,000 bill to the hospital for a three-day stay landed on our practice. And we don't have a diagnose, enough diagnosis codes um, in, in our system and have billed enough to cover that cost. And so that 20000 starting next year is we're writing a check for it. Right. Exactly. Yeah. 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 That's, that's got to change. Yeah. Yeah. So we've, we've got to, We've got to make sure that we're keeping in touch with people. Once we see them, they're our patient, and and we need to be looking for the, what we have to do for them. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it, it's it's critical for for the patient alone. Right. Yeah. So so that's the that's the key point for everybody in SC and Georgia house calls is is guys. You know, once you see the patient, they're yours. They're going to be the, the the dollars that are spent on that patient are going to be attributed to you. Mm-hmm. So you better be sure you know where they're going and why why we're headed that direction. Right. Um, and and make sure you're seeing these patients um, often enough to where you can prevent anything else that's coming up. So that's the <clears throat> that's the message for the um for for 2023. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's going to be more visits for patients and um, and make sure your staff is um, adequately seeing the patients and doing the, 
uh, investigated work, and we can determine that based on the care manage or the chronic care management um, minutes that are being spent for each patient. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah, it's it's definitely it's going to be a pivotal moment, you know, for for 2023 to be able to do that and and save save these patients money. I mean, it's at the end of the day, it's going to save SC house calls money. It's going to save Main Street physicians money. It's going to um, across the board. It's going to save taxpayer money at the end of the day. Yeah, it, it, exactly. And and the, the ACO REACH program that we're a part of has been the largest cost savings to the Medicare system uh, has been seen in this program mm-hmm. um, over the last couple of years. And so it's really exciting to be a part of that. Yeah. Um, yeah. And and SC House Calls is very unique in that program, too. I think uh, SC House Calls is much different than the other, you know, you know, primary care companies that are, they're a part of that. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I think what makes us different again is the, the analytics and the data for Mm -hmm. the, for what we can see, but also um, I just don't see another model of care out there where people, uh, providers, um, are going to the homes of the patients. It's very rare unless it's under a a concierge, you got to pay extra, you know, to have that kind of service. Um, but but this is open for Medicare, Medicaid, anybody because mm-hmm. we've seen that, and it's and it's taken us a, a lot of years uh, to. I mean, we started this home care program in 2006, early 16, I guess, and we're just now getting to the point where we kind of know what we're doing and we have our systems down and we can be profitable. Um, but I think it's the way to go. I think the the future model is going to be why are we sending these people again to a doctor's office or to a hospital where there's a bunch of sick people there. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> yeah, we've, we've got to take care of the people where they're at and, and get the services that they yeah. need. And and you've proven it can be done. It can be done right. It's, you know, you're, you're, you're seeing these success stories um, and it just takes time to get everybody up to speed, but yeah, it's, it's proven to be done. Scott, wh- what do you see? What's, what's one of the biggest things you see on the horizon here? We're almost to 2023. We're, we're one month away. What's, what's one of your biggest challenges for 2023? Um, so I think the biggest challenge that, that we're going to see is, um, is again, making sure that we shouldn't be surprised, mm. you know, like, yeah. like I think taking away the surprise of, Oh my gosh, I can't believe Mrs. Smith went to the hospital. Mm. We, we should have known and said, Hey, I think Mrs. Smith's going to end up in the hospital or we're recommending for her mm. to go to the hospital yeah. that, that we're the proactive rather than a son or daughter or somebody else swooping in and saying, Hey, I'm taking mom to the hospital, mm-hmm. you know, so I think that's the, the the biggest change in healthcare, and I think what we're going to see is is more positive outcomes and and more positive measures. The the I, I was listening to um, a group the other day, and I thought it was interesting that they were talking about provider led organizations versus non provider led organizations, yeah. and and that. You know, there there has to be a balance where you have providers in the loop who are helping to guide how you set up your systems. But at the end of the day, we were talking about um, uh, the difference between a provider-led organization and a 
and a, um, an organization run by administration. Mm-hmm. So when you think about it, a provider comes out of, of high school and heads into to, to the eight years to become a doctor plus the two or three years worth of fellowship and then a, a few years of practicing. And so by the time they get to the point that they say, hey, I want to impact administration, right? Mm-hmm. They're 40 years old. Right. And and they may be going back and getting an MBA or, um, um, or a master's in healthcare administration. But in the meantime, you have people who came right out of college and started working in the healthcare who now have 15 years of administrative experience. Mm-hmm. And so they were talking about, you know, you've got to, you've got to understand that the, the, the CEO of the hospital is going to be hard for that to be a physician because they'll be 65 by the time they have enough experience yeah. administratively to run it. But on the other side, and administration who's not engaged with their providers on how do we do the cares. As an example, um, there's an ACO out there and they're going, yeah, we got everybody, our, our big practice, we got everybody in the in a value-based and they're in ACOs and our providers are doing great and, and they all understand it. And the providers are sitting there going, I can't do this because I don't have enough support. If I had one more medical assistant or if I had, you know, two more people who could answer phones or call patients or something. So administratively, we sit there and try to stop the spend on one side. Mm -hmm. And what it's doing is it's costing us on the upper end. So what we as administrators have to understand is that the more we spend in primary care, and the more the more we can make a provider ultimately productive in that they are doing only they're making their medical decisions. Right. Basically, that's what they're there for. Right. You know, <clears throat> so the more that everybody else can do. So we've we've embarked on this just hire everybody, mm-hmm. <laughs> you <Yeah>. know, <laughs> and and we're. We're hiring people sometimes that it's taken them a while to get up and going because we just can't find enough people that are that have experience to do this. But we're hiring people and putting them through MA training programs and and teaching them how to be supportive of their providers. We're hiring social workers or caseworkers or anybody that we think can have a positive touch and impact on those patients. And what we're seeing is that the more we do of that the more supportive the providers are and and the more um, the 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 higher quality of care and the lower the cost of um, medical expenses for those patients yeah. are and it really does work it's a crazy model to go out there and say hey I, i'm going to i'm going to put more people out there than i think needs to be there mm-hmm. but we are yeah yeah and it's working and it's you're, yeah you're you're going to see a difference in, in those patients' lives, and, and they're going to have a better quality of living at the end of the day. So, so I'll give you the last, the last example, then I'll then I'll let I'll let us go. But um, this morning I had a, a powwow with um, our chief um, staff, and and we were looking at our financial statements and how the the financial statements are arranged so that we can look and say, well to analyze it better. I mean, because your your financial statements aren't just about getting it to your accountant. Your financial statements are really about how do you use this information to, to make good decisions in your business. 
And so at, at the end of it, I just looked around at everybody and I said, hey, y'all been staring at these numbers now for a couple of weeks because they're putting them into to new reports and stuff. And I said, out of all these numbers, what's the one thing that just hit you that you wanted to be concerned about? Mm-hmm. And so one the first suggestion said, well, you know, I just think we have a lot of PTO. I think a lot of people are taking a lot of time off. I'm not sure we're capturing our PTO um, time off correctly, maybe, or or maybe there's people are taking too much, but PTO maybe is something we have to look at. So so I said, okay. So I looked over at our CFO and he I said, pull how much we paid out in PTO. Because you know, if you if you're taking paid time off, we're taking it out of a different category, so we can track it. So we looked and we're spending about three percent of all of our salaries are paid out for PTO. Mm-hmm. But if everybody took all their PTO, we'd probably be taking seven percent. Mm, yeah. So we're we're under the national average of of that PTO. Our people do want to work, and they're working pretty hard. And so, in a couple of seconds, by analyzing that number, we said, "Yeah, PTO is not not to. We don't need to be worried about that." Okay. So then the second was, um, well, American Express cards, you know, because everybody's got American Express card, and they're they're buying food and stuff, and our marketing people are going out there and just you know spending all this money on stuff. And 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 I said, well, you know, let's look at it in terms of percentage of spending. And it really wasn't that high because mm. we don't do a lot of marketing right. per se. We have, but we have sales associates or, or um, account managers that are working with our various accounts where we get our referrals from. But it's not like we're advertising on the TV a lot, right. you know, or in, in magazines or stuff like that. So <clears throat> we said, uh, so while we want to be careful about how we utilize our marketing dollars, it was one of those things that our CEO said, I don't think that's where we need to be spending our time. Somewhere down in the organization, maybe they should, mm-hmm. and maybe we need to set philosophies, but I don't think that's our big issue. And so we came back to, at the end of the day, looking at our financials, we went back to look at the productivity of our providers. Yeah, And, and so last month, what I can look at pretty quickly in, in my, my Power BI reports is we paid for 44,000 hours for providers to work. Mm-hmm. We wrote a check for them to work 44,000 hours, and they billed their services for 34,000. Mm, yeah, that's the best. 25% of our time is down. Mm, yeah that's not good right so then i went back and said well what should that number be and i looked at one of our regions and they're at 92 percent build versus work hours so it's doable right we can be 92 percent so if 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 we took um those ten thousand hours last month and and we divided that and and we said okay i want us to get to 90 percent so we could have we could have um, hit 90% of those. 9,000 more hours could have been billed. Most of our providers are taking them about uh, 30 minutes probably per patient is, is what it should be. So those 9,000 hours, we could have seen 18,000 
more visits. Mm, yeah. And that would have put us well closer to our ratio of three to four visits a month right. that we know we need to do to change the world. Yeah. <laughs> so. Absolutely. Yeah. Those, those numbers, <clears throat> I think that's what people, get, they, they don't see sometimes. Those numbers relate to actual people's lives and, and better living at the end of the day. And that's what people so, have to so see. The, right. So the goal of our, our C-suite right now is to look at how do we help our providers become more productive? How do we get those numbers closer? Right. And so that's what we're going to be looking at. We're going to help our regional vice presidents for our clinical coordinators, directors of clinical services um, to go out there and say, okay, let's look at provider by provider. Mm -hmm. How can we get this provider more efficient? So I'll, I'll tell my story. I told it last week, but I think it's important, to, or I told it um, to our staff last week. So I went and met with one of our providers recently, and um, she was complaining because she never bonused. She said, I've been, I've been with your company for six years. I've never bonused, but I see that you are advertising jobs with this company making more than I'm currently making. And I've been here six years. And I said, well, the, the advertising dollar that we're advertising includes bonuses and you're not producing. And she said, and I said, but I'll tell you what, I'll give you a raise. She said, I just want to raise Scott. I need a raise. You know, my family needs it. I haven't had a raise in the six years I've been here. Mm -hmm. And I said, okay, I'll, I'll do, I'll do a deal with you. Um, and I look, I pulled up um, this threshold calculator we have to show people how much they can make and what, and really basically what they have to do in order to make that. And I said, let's let's put in there, you know, what what you're at. And I came back and I said, here's the condition. I'll raise your salary to the number you're asking for, provided that you do these things for me. I need you to see 20 patients a day. And she said, well, that's kind of doable. You know, I can see where I need to do that. And I said, and I need you with, with while you're doing those 20 patients a day, I need you to do roughly 20 minutes of chronic care management, meaning investigation, anal analytics on those patients for each patient you see. Mm -hmm. And so I said, I'll need you to bill basically um, 130 something hours of CCM. That's how I'm going to know whether you're doing this. Right. And you'll need at the end of the day, you'll need to do um, uh, tw 20 times she works five days a week. So 21 days. So you'd need to do 420 visits. So her average billing for month over month has been $30,000. Mm -hmm. That's what she's been billing. That's why she never made um, a bonus. Right. So um, this past month I looked down, I said, well, I'm going to go in and analyze her. And I looked down and she had seen 300, I think in 20 patients. And I was going, golly, she didn't quite make it where, where I wanted her to be. She should have been at 420. Mm -hmm. And and but I looked over at her chronic care management. She had 130 hours of chronic care management. And I said, well, that's great. And then I looked over and I realized it's Thanksgiving. Mm -hmm. And and her the importance thing for her, she works so that she can she can support her family and her family time is very important to her. And so she took off Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday of Thanksgiving week. Right. So she only worked 150 hours. She met her goal. Right. She hit her 20 a day and she hit her CCM. And I was so proud of the fact she, she was able to do that. Now, 
we got to create a habit. That right. was one month. Mm-hmm. <laughs> now exactly. we got to get her to do it three months, four months, and then and then she'll be set. But how exciting that was that in 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 so I went back two months ago in, in September, um, which had the same number of days of work week days. She had um, she actually billed forty more visits in the shorter month. And she went from billing thirty thousand dollars in the month of September yeah. to forty eight thousand right. dollars in November in a shorter month. Mm-hmm. Yeah, wow. I think it goes to show, Scott, that as a leader, when you give people a mark to hit, when you give them clear, defined, these are your numbers, this is what you need to hit, and you hold them accountable, most of the time, I think they'll hit it. But you've got to be clear yes. on that. And I think that's what you did. You were clear. And and she saw something she could achieve and did it. Well, and, and I gave her a little bit of that reward up front. Mm-hmm. And I said, I'm going to go ahead and raise your salary, but I'm going to expect that you're promising you're going to do this, and I'm going to hold you to it. Right. So um, that's one of the things that um, the Race to Value keeps saying over and over again, what the ACO REACH program is about is helping to put more money in the hands of the providers up front mm-hmm. so that instead of saying, hey, in a year and a half, you can make X. So our ACO REACH program is paying us a premium over Medicare allowable. Mm-hmm. So they're going to pay us more for more in fee for service right now um, and tr- in hopes of transitioning over the years that more of our revenue will come from the cost savings. But they're giving it up front so that our providers can feel successful. Our providers can make the money they need to make. And that was really the point with Medicare. Medicare says our our primary care physicians are underpaid and overworked. Mm -hmm. And we need to fix that. Yeah. And so um, I'm looking forward to seeing what's going to happen at the end. That's awesome. Scott, thanks so much. Thank you. Yeah. Have a Have a great weekend. All right. Thanks, everybody. Thanks. Thanks for listening. And if you could leave us a five-star review, we would really appreciate it. Visit our podcast website at thedisruptedpodcast.com. You can also subscribe to one of our other podcasts in our podcast network, the LTC University Podcast, Experiencing Healthcare with Matt Staub, the Thriving Practitioner Podcast. Thanks again for listening, and we'll be back next week with a new episode. Have a great week.